seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Genesis chapter 18 and reading for our text part of verse 14. The first part, which is a question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? The whole verse continues, At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Genesis 18, the first part of verse 14. And I want to continue this evening with the uh, questions, the use of questions in Scripture. And last Thursday we looked at the searching question that was given to Adam, where art thou? Its questions are used a lot through the Scripture. It forces us to consider and answer how we would answer and the truths that are often implied by the question. And so the question before us this evening is anything too hard for the Lord? I want to begin with the very context that is here and those things of which are not too hard for the Lord, those things which are a miracle that the Lord did in this account with Abraham. And the first thing is this, that it was not too hard for him to enable Abraham and Sarah to have children. Sarah passed bearing and yet she was to have a child. You know Abraham... If we were to go right back to Genesis 12, when the Lord brought him up out of Ur of the Chaldees, there he gave him, when he was 75 years of age, that promise concerning his seed. And the Lord said to him that his seed should inherit that land. It should become a great uh, nation, a great uh, people, and yet at that time he had no child. And so then 11 years passed by, and you could really forgive Abraham, feeling, well, surely I must put my hand to this, and the suggestion by Sarah that she take Hagar. And so Ishmael was born. But the Lord said that Ishmael was not to be the promised seed. That was not the line unto Christ. But another 14 years had to go by. Well, 13 to this time here. And then according to the time of life, approximately another year, that Isaac was born when Abraham was a 100 years of age, 86 when Ishmael was born, 25 years, 25 years waiting for the promise and expectation that the Lord would appear. What a wonderful thing if the Lord granted us the same after 25 years here, which I complete in a few weeks' time. Abraham had to wait a long while and great exercise and burden that he had. But here, our Lord says this and asks this question, is anything too hard for the Lord? You know, in Hebrews 11, we have Sarah recorded amongst the faithful that by faith she conceived seed. And the Lord graciously, the Holy Spirit, covers over her laughing, covers over her unbelief, and just sets before us in Hebrews that she conceived seed. After this time, though she laughed, 
Yet the scripture record is she believed what the Lord said. And may the Lord give us that same light precious faith. The record here of Abraham is a, and should be, a great encouragement to us to lean upon the Lord and upon his promises and upon what seems with us to be utterly impossible. That is what they were brought to here. Impossibility. And then the Lord appeared. And may we take courage ourselves from this account. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. Not to give the promised seed was not too hard. <clears throat> he could make the barren to bear. But then secondly, God appeared as a man. We're told first in verse 2 that three men stood by him. And when Abraham first speaks, he says in verse 3, And now my Lord, in capital L, but uh, lowercase, if I have found favour in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee from my servant. But it's not long before we find it is the Lord as Jehovah speaking to him. And we read in verse 13, And the Lord, Jehovah, said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? Later on, at the end of this chapter, we have Abraham pleading with the Lord for Lot in Sodom. And the other two men, they went towards Sodom. And in the opening verses of the next chapter, there came two angels to Sodom at even. So those three, two angels and our Lord in the pre-incarnation appearance of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ appearing as a man. And only God could do that. Only him could, as he'd done later on with Jacob, they wrestled a man with him to the breaking of the day. His name was changed to Israel because he wrestled with God and with men and has prevailed. And so we have later on that wonderful miracle of Emmanuel, God with us. The promised seed, not Isaac, but his seed seed. Abraham saw my day and rejoiced at it. Now, many times in where the Lord appeared to Abraham, we could say, Abraham saw Christ's day. So, another thing that only God could do, is anything too hard for the Lord? Why, Solomon, he said, when he dedicated the temple, the heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house that I have built it. But will God in very deed dwell upon the earth? It was a wonder, too long to think, that that could be brought, for, to, brought to pass. And yet we know the Lord did bring it to pass. The third thing is the destruction of Sodom in the next chapter. The Lord rained down fire and brimstone from heaven said what he would do. He said that he would destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He did. He'd already said that he would do in Noah's day. Noah, a preacher of righteousness for 120 years, and yet the flood came. And we are told as well that the heavens and the earth that now are, they are reserved unto fire, and the Lord will destroy them. We might look at them and think how secure they are. They've continued for years and years. But right through Scripture, we are reminded that when God says he will destroy, he does destroy. At that time, he is set apart. And so with Sodom and Gomorrah, completely destroyed it and the cities of the plain. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. In this account with Abraham, it was not too hard to destroy Sodom as he said he would. 
But then we have a fourth thing, and that is the deliverance of Lot. And you know when the angels came to Sodom, Lot seemed very enmeshed in it. His family was in it. He tried to reason with them, talk with them. He lingered. And the angel, having mercy upon him, he took him by the hand to bring him out of Sodom. You know, it was a miracle that the Lord could separate and does separate his people from the Sodom of this world and from the iniquity and evil of this world. At the first, Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. In this account, he's found in Sodom, not only in it, but he's in the gate of the city, which is where the elders sat, it's where those that judge sat. And there he was. And yet God brought him out. He might feel to be so immersed and so entangled with our sin, the sins of others, and maybe the pull of relatives as well. We think of our Lord's ministry, that he says that if a man love father or mother or child more than him, he's not worthy of him. And it's no wonder that Lot's wife looked back, no wonder they lingered. But the Lord is able to deliver in spite of those things that hold us fast. And so there are just in this account alone, those four things, is anything too hard for the Lord? No, it is not too hard for the Lord at all. He is able to do these things. I want to learn not with the Lord's help at three main points. Firstly, what is too hard for the Lord. You might think it a strange thing to say that, but there are things that are too hard for the Lord. And then secondly, what is not too hard for the Lord. And then thirdly, the appointment of prayer in what the Lord does. But firstly, what is too hard for the Lord? Scripture itself sets forth those things that God cannot do. God cannot die. He is the eternal, ever-living God. And though he can, in our Lord Jesus Christ, lay down his life to take it again, yet God himself is a spirit and he is, in the, he is the eternal God and never cease to exist. And when we read, is anything too hard for the Lord, he cannot die. When Paul writes to Titus, he also says that God who cannot lie. In all the scriptures, we are assured of this, that there are no lies there. It is all truth. God is the true and living God, and that which he writes is no lie. Satan's first temptation, and Satan is a liar from the beginning, was to imply that God had an ulterior motive in forbidding Adam and Eve to eat of the fruit of the garden that was in the midst of the tree in the midst of the garden. And he would suggest that the word of truth, the Holy Bible, is lies. The same thing that comes to mind, and whether it was by design, by man, or Satan designed it. I remember years ago, when I was 15 years of age, and there was the funeral of the uh, pastor's wife in uh, Australia, and they rewrote the words of the hymn, instead of immortal honours, it was immoral on us. And we had to quickly change all of those hymn sheets. And I believe there was another occasion, perhaps over here, where it was chained to his throne, a volume of lies, instead of a volume lies. 
as in M4. And thankfully, in both those cases, that they were found out before they actually had the funerals. But God's word is true and is no lie, and he cannot lie. And we need to be very sure of that, because Satan will all the time, and men will try to undermine the word of God. Peter says in his epistles that we have not followed cunningly devised fables. And we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord. When Paul writes to Timothy, his second epistle, he also says that another thing that God cannot do is to deny himself. When our Lord was being falsely accused, then he made this very clear to the Jews that he would not deny who he was that he was the Son of God, that his Father was in heaven. God cannot deny himself. And we could imply that as well. He cannot go contrary to his word. He cannot deny or go contrary to the inspired word of God, which is his word. Also, he cannot go against his own will. Daniel says that he doeth according to his own will in the armies of heaven. None can say unto him, What doest thou? And we are used to, many of us, when we make our plans, we follow that which is enjoined to us in James. If, we will, if, if the Lord will, we'll do this or that. And when we pray, it is subject to the will of God. And all things that he has done, is according to the counsel of his own will. So he cannot go against that. And right through the scriptures is the will of God that is unfolded and opened up to us. And when we have that will opened up to us, we may be sure of this, that what God cannot do is to go against his will. When we read, like in John 17, Father, I will that they whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. <coughs> and we know that God cannot go against his own will. But the last thing I mention is that God cannot save apart from Christ and him crucified. However great and mighty God is, to be able to speak the world into existence and to speak all of the creation, including man, he cannot, we say it with reverence, he cannot, without Christ coming, without his precious blood being shed, without him dying upon Calvary and making atonement for his people and enduring the wrath of God and fulfilling the law, he cannot just pardon a sinner. He could not, from the high court of heaven, just choose a people and just determine that he'd just brush over their sins. He would just forget about them. That he'd just pardon them and bring them to heaven. No, he cannot. He cannot save without that precious blood being shed. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The Lord Jesus Christ testified, For this cause came I into the world. It is determined that Christ must suffer, must lay down his life, and to pardon without God, without blood, never in God, his purpose stood. And so, there are those things that we would reverently say that they are too hard for the Lord. The Lord himself has made them too hard for himself. And it is for our comfort to realise that, that God himself cannot do those things. Bound by his word, says the hymn writer. And that is true. He will give us that strength equal to our day.
and those blessings that he has promised, he will do, he will perform for us. Is anything too hard for the Lord? The question makes us really consider and think and search the scriptures. Are there things that are too hard for the Lord? And if there are, why are they too hard? And of what benefit and blessing are they to the church of God and for you and I? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? May we find in those things that are that which is a comfort and strength to our souls and in our path. Maybe it is the Lord has blessed his word to us, given his word. We may plead it in prayer, rest upon it, look upon it, and to know that God will not go back. You won't just forget that word. Or to think of our sins, the iniquities and evils of our heart and what they really deserve. And when we remember that it is Christ that died, yea, rather that he's risen again, that sitteth at the right hand of the throne of God, the Lord has not forgiven, hardened and blotted out our, our sins without there being the debt paid, without there being satisfaction. It has been done according to his holiness, according to his faithfulness. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And really this is reminded in every time we observe and sit down at the Lord's table, the church is reminded here is something that God couldn't do. He needed to shed that blood. And the church is reminded the blood is shed when Christ has died and risen again. And this is the hope the church of God and before that ordinance of course there is baptism buried with him uh, by death in baptism into death and risen again in newness of life those things that the Lord has done he has done because there could not be salvation there could not be deliverance from sin in any other way but through that way I want to look then secondly at what is not too hard for the Lord. The first thing I mention is not too hard for the Lord to fulfil his word. Our Lord is giving his word to Abraham here. He's telling them very clearly that according to the time of life, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And that came to pass. And we think of the first promise of the seed of the woman to bruise the serpent's head. And all that went on through those 4,000 years, through the flood, Noah's time, Abraham's time, time in Egypt, time in Babylon, all of those kingdoms, all of those nations, all those people raised up, sometimes like in Hezekiah, seemed to be extinguished. Or in the days of Athaliah, the line was to be broken, but no, it is fulfilled and Christ does come. Isaac is born and then the seed. And the promise that God gave to Abraham in Genesis 22, in thee, and in thy seed shall all nations be blessed, is not too hard for the Lord to fulfil his word. When he speaks, he is able to fulfil it. In direct contrast to us, how many times can we think of when we've said we'll do a thing or we'll go to a place and we haven't been able to fulfil it, whether we've been sick or something has happened, and we couldn't fulfill what we have said. But this is not too hard for the Lord. With heaven and earth at his command, it goes on, the hymn writer, he waits to answer prayer. But he does. He has the hearts of all men in his hand. And if you and I 
resting on his word and how important, how vital for the church of God, for the people of God, to rest upon the word of God. If there could be any doubt of that or any thought that God was not able to do what he said that he would do, where would the church of God be? Is anything too hard for the Lord? It's not too hard for the Lord to fulfil his word. He is able to fulfil his word. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? He will perform according to his word. The second thing I mention is not too hard for the Lord to quicken souls into spiritual life. Sometimes we don't realise or don't really ponder how dead a dead sinner is. When we're born into this world in trespasses and sins, the sentence that we're under is death. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the dead know not anything, spiritually dead. The natural man receiveth not the things of God, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. It needs the almighty power of God to quicken a soul. First, the debt has to be paid, as we've already mentioned, with Christ's blood shed. But even with that debt paid, and maybe we ought to remember this, you know, there are some that say, well, here is what Christ has done, now it's your part. You must believe and you must accept Christ. And he is powerless. He hasn't got power and ability to save you until you accept him and to invite him into your life. As if man was not quite dead, that he has power to quicken himself. And yet we read in Ephesians 1 that it's the same power that was wrought to raise Christ from the dead as to raise a sinner from being dead in trespasses and sins into spiritual life. And the apostles writing to the Ephesians and to tell them that what they had experienced in bringing them to believe and to trust in Christ and to be brought to spiritual life was the almighty power of God. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Sometimes we're really tested in this. You know, we think somehow that, well, those who are brought up under the sound of the truth, they've been trained up, they're used to the doctrines, they're not too hard that they should be converted. But if you perhaps see someone in your town or village and they're a swearer and cursor, they don't want the word, they despise the people of God and you think, can they be saved? Is it impossible? Some will say, well, it's not worth giving such and such a person a Bible because they couldn't be saved. They've evidenced such hostility, such worldliness, impossible. But is anything too hard for the Lord? John Newton, we've just sung his hymn. Was it too hard for the Lord to convert him and to change him? When we know our own heart and our own condition, even though we were brought up under the sound of the truth, and it wasn't too hard for the Lord to change our heart and renew our will and turn our feet to Zion's hill. We need to be reminded of this. We often limit the Lord. Many of us have siblings. We have loved ones. We have those that we may look about and almost have given up on as if they're too hard for the Lord and the Lord can't change them and can't turn them. There is anything too hard for the Lord. That power to quicken and to change is still there. And we have with our Lord, even upon the cross and the dying thief, to change him, to renew him. We have the account of Manasseh 
so wicked in all that he did. And the Lord changed him and renewed him and brought him to repentance. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That great act, that vital act of quickening a soul into spiritual life, whatever be their condition outwardly, whatever they have said or done, that is not too hard for the Lord. The kingdom of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Yes, there are those that will never be quickened because they're not the Lord's. But we do not know the Lord's. We do not know the Lord's will. And all we know is that while there is life, there is hope. And the power of the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. The third thing is this. It is not too hard for the Lord to teach sinners in the way. Especially today, we may think of many that have not been brought up on the sound of the truth, the language we use, the terminology, the words of the Bible, they're not familiar with, they're not used to it at all. And those things to which we've gradually learnt in our heads right from a child, there are those that are coming at the word of God and they know nothing, they know nothing of it at all. The scripture is very clear of this, that they shall all be taught of God, all of God's children. They shall not teach every man his neighbour, saying, Know the Lord, they shall all know me from the least unto the greatest. Those of you who read that beautiful little book of Suki Harley, we know how the Lord brought her and taught her, line upon line, here a little and there a little in the way of experience and through the word of God, even though at first she couldn't even read it herself, had to be taught by her young daughter how to read. And yet the Lord opened her heart and taught her. Do we, if any man lack wisdom, do we feel it? Do we feel our need of teaching? Our Lord's time on earth was that as he was one, he taught them again so much of his ministry was to teach and instruct in the way of the Lord. And we have that beautiful psalm, uh, Psalm 25, and it has this uh, line in, in it, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. And how vital to have a teachable spirit. And yet the Lord gives that too. And we might look upon others and think, well, they're not at all teachable. Or we might think with ourselves, we're not teachable, we're not open to being taught. And yet the Lord is able to do it. Is anything too hard for the Lord? As our teachers naturally might have those in their classrooms, that are very hard to teach, but the Lord is able to, to do that. Is anything too hard for the Lord, not too hard to teach the ways of the Lord and to instruct them? I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. But fourthly, to subdue our iniquities. All of God's children will know the conflict that Paul had in Romans 7, that the good that he would, he did not, the evil that he would not, that he did, and to know the working of iniquity and sin within, especially where we know the truth, we know what is right, and yet find that contrary stirring up within against it. And yet the Lord is able to subdue those sins within. God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will, with the temptation, make a way of escape that you be able to bear it. And God is doing that. He deals with it. May it be a comfort to us who know what sore temptations are. 
who know the depth of depravity of our heart, the iniquities of our heart, that the Lord is able to stem those waves and those billows and say, Peace be still. If the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Freed at death from sin, but while life endures well, from the power and from the dominion over it. But then fifthly, to revive personally and as a church. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You might look at David with his murder and adultery. Can David be revived? When brought through the parable to acknowledge his sin, to repentance, we have in Psalm 51 that wonderful psalm of repentance. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Against thee, the only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. And the Lord restored him. He restoreth my soul, says the psalmist. How vital that God is able to do that. Not only quicken and teach in the way, but when we've backslidden, when we've gone away from him, then he is able to restore. It's not a case, it's not too hard for the Lord. Sometimes we might look upon our case as being too hard. We've made so many mistakes. We've so marred everything that nothing can be put right. Nothing can be restored. But is anything too hard for the Lord? He is able to do that. He's able to restore. Think of how he restored dear Peter. Foretold before what he would do in denying his Lord and restored him. I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. We think of Jonah running away from the Lord and will not do the Lord's bidding and will not preach. He's thrown into the sea. But the Lord provides the fish. The Lord keeps him alive in it. What power had Jonah to bring himself out, to restore himself to bring himself again on dry land. None at all. The Lord spake unto the fish. And the Lord sent him on his way again. Now be an encouragement to us. When we feel to have lost our first love or gone back from the Lord, is anything too hard for the Lord? Not only personally, but as a church and people as well. When churches get very low, when we get far off, whether it is numerically or maybe error gets in, maybe there's things that bring that church low. We've only got to look at the letters to the seven churches in Asia. A picture of the local church right down to the end of time. Only two had nothing spoken against them. Many things spoken with the aim of restoring them and the exhortations to them. And he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And so again, it is a reminder to us, an encouragement to us, that we might look upon outward things. We say it's impossible. You think of the church in the Old Testament. The Jews themselves, how low they got in Babylon, how low they were brought. And yet the Lord revived them again and again. And the Lord came to that nation. And the Lord is able to restore his people. And even we have it foretold that the Jews again shall be grafted in. And that when the fullness of the Gentiles are brought in, then shall also the Jews be gathered in again. The Lord has brought them already back to their own land. And the Lord is able to do all that he said he will do to the Jews. 
and the church that was in the wilderness. And now we have the church of God, of all nations, Jews and kindred, Jews and Gentiles. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And that reviving and giving fresh life is all from the Lord. And we would go even further. We think of the resurrection, the dust of Adam, Abraham, Jacob, all those who have died. The Lord is able to resurrect that. The same bodies, not another. Job said very clearly that it was in his own flesh, though after skins, worms, after my flesh, worms destroy the skin. Yet in my flesh shall I see God for myself and not for another. And it is a blessed anticipation that the Lord shall quicken the dead into life, revive them again. Is anything too hard for the Lord, for us to even think how God could do that, to know where the dust of his people are, those who have been buried at sea, those that to the natural eye are not seen at all, and yet the Lord knows he shall gather his elect from the four corners of the earth. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and they shall be united, body and soul together. Dear Christian faith is full of those things that rely upon a God that is able to do far above all that we could ask or think and that which to us is impossible. And when we are asked, is anything too hard for the Lord? We should really examine and see all through our faith and all through the scriptures. Those things are set before us. They are too hard for us. They are impossible. But they're not impossible with God. Sometimes we can look at the big things we can say, well, we believe in the resurrection. We believe in that. But then it comes to smaller things and we stumble. And we think that the Lord can't do them. And we limit the Holy One of Israel. The children of Israel, when they were to go up into the promised land, didn't believe that God could overcome the Anakims and the Canaanites. They were too big. They went back and were going to get a captain and go back into Egypt. And the Lord destroyed that generation in the 40 years wandering in the wilderness. May we not limit the Holy One of Israel. Is anything too hard for the Lord? We say no. Except those things we mentioned in the first place. But lastly, under this head, is anything too hard for the Lord to provide? We sung of that in our middle hymn, the Lord will provide. There's many things in our lives that we might think of how the Lord could provide. There's some of those that listen to our services here from other countries, that dear friends in Canada, they long to have a place of worship and those that they may uh, go and join with and seems an impossible thing but if in the Lord's will it was so it's not impossible he's able to provide and sometimes we may take for granted the great privilege of having uh, a place of worship the brethren and those to worship with and to join with and to see and commune with there are many that don't have that but it is not too hard for the Lord to provide that place of worship, and not only that, a spiritual home here below. A place to live naturally. It's a great blessing to have a home, a roof over our head. Again, many today may be tried of that. And the difficulty for our young people and those beginning in married life, where they shall live, how they shall they be able to have a home. 
And that's very encouraging when we read of how wonderfully the Lord has provided in some of those cases. It's a reminder to us the Lord is able to provide. Remember years ago when I first came to this country in 1988, I remember looking in the estate agent's window and being exercised at one day to return to this land. And I saw the price of houses over here and I thought, if ever we come back, I'll never ever have our own home. And over in Australia, we tried to get as close as we could to the house of God. And the closest we could afford to buy was 20 minutes drive away. Too expensive, we couldn't. And yet the Lord brought us back here, gave us a home, a five or ten minutes walk away from the chapel, and to be able to buy it and to pay it off as it is this day. The Lord is able to provide. When we first looked at it, impossible. And we need to acknowledge where the Lord has provided that place to live. We think of a job as well, employment. Some of us can look back over our lives and can see how wonderfully the Lord has provided the means of earning our daily bread in some quite remarkable ways. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And let us not say, well, well that, that, is, that is not a spiritual thing. That's a providential thing that, that is such a burden to me at the moment. But in those things as well, God is a God of providence. And the whole of Scripture said, this the Lord's providence and how the Lord dealt with his people and the Lord's people see in providence his wonderful hand. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. When we think of our young people with a husband or a wife, how can the Lord provide? Is anything too hard for the Lord? No, nothing. The Lord is able to provide. The Lord brought myself, my dear one, together from one side of the world to the other. And the Lord has done many other great things to many of the Lord's people, giving them a partner for life, one of the Lord's. Is anything too hard for the Lord? It may be that there's things I haven't mentioned this evening, but in your mind you're filled in and you've joined in of those things in providence, those things in your life. It may be as you've come here or listening this evening, there's things in your life and in your mind that you've been viewing of too hard, impossible, difficult. Well, they are too hard for you and too hard for me, but not too hard for the Lord. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I want to notice then just briefly in the last point, the third point, and that is the appointment of prayer. Now there are some cases, like with Abraham, where the Lord just appeared to him. We don't read at all that he's asked in prayer. And in one sense, all of God's children quickened into life, even like the Apostle Paul. He was a Pharisee. I can't imagine that he was praying to be converted or praying to love the Lord Jesus. He was persecuting the people of God. But the Lord met with him and dealt with him. But there are those things when we have been quickened into life, when we do know the worth of prayer, and the Lord has ordained prayer. He says, I will for this be quiet of by the house of Israel to do it for them. And it is one of those things God has ordained. He is not powerlessly waiting for his people to pray. He is not, as it were, having all of this power and all of this mind. But until his people ask, he cannot act. But he has ordained prayer. And he has said that even before they ask, he will answer. While they are yet speaking, that he will be performing. And we see it in the case of Daniel. We see it in the case of the people of God like Hannah. 
For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition that I've asked of him, again a barren womb. And those of us who know this should be much encouraged to ask of the Lord great things. Large petitions, says the hymn writer, with thee bring. None can ever ask too much, for his power is so great. We, we can't ever ask too much. He is able to do so far above all that we can ask or think. And yet the Lord is glorified in prayer. And when prayer is made in that way, and then he works then we can see the link, we can see the answers that the Lord has given and render thanks. Prayer is the way that God brings his people into fellowship, communion with him. He will have his people with him in heaven, but here below he'd have them walk with him in prayer. And it's these things that are too hard for us, those difficult things that we are to bring before him, and lay before him, and to give him no rest, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. When's the last time you took one of those things that are too hard for you? The Lord gave you faith to believe this was not too hard for the Lord, and you're able to bring it before the Lord, and maybe again and again ask of the Lord to perform and do it. Some of us have already those things in the cup of salvation. And we can say like Hannah, for this we prayed, for this we asked of the Lord. And he has heard our petitions, he has answered our prayers. There is a place for prayer. God appoints it. A God who is able to do these great things. And he'd have his people believe that it is so and ask him to do these things. We think of the centurion of whom the Lord said, I have not found so great faith, no, not in all Israel. And what did the centurion say? Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Not worthy to come for thee to come under my roof. But he knew the power of the word of God. And may we have that same like precious faith. Is anything too hard for the Lord? May this word remain with us and may it encourage us in prayer and to wait upon the Lord. Amen.